Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. This is actually our first show of 2012, Sisters. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in Santa Monica, California, joined by my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas and Sheila Dolan in Pasadena. Happy New Year, Sisters. Hey, Happy New Year, Liz. Happy New Year, Sheila. Happy New Year, everyone. It's good to hear you guys. So it's it's Sunday night. We normally get to this a little bit earlier in the weekend, but obviously we've all had a very busy 2012 already. So this, <laughs> this was the first we could, we could really squeeze this in. Uh, and Leanne and Monica were not able to be with us uh, this weekend. But next weekend, they've both, you know, uh, not we have what? a verbal. We have a verbal promise. Yes. For both yeah. Them. It's a. It's an expression of interest more than a promise. I would say. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's the way it works with the satellite sisters. But Julie, I wanted to start with a a news story still hanging over from the end of last year because between the time we recorded our last story of 2011 and now. One of the major news stories in the world was something that you actually have a lot of keen insight into because you visited North Korea last September on vacation. Um, But the death of Kim Kim Jong-il and the naming of his son to run North Korea is really an amazing turnabout in a very short period of time. And we've gotten quite a bit of listener email from people who want your personal point of view on this because they know you've been there very recently. And we did a great podcast right after you came back, which was what it was like to actually be in North Korea. But it was, you know, I mean, I immediately when I on upon hearing about his death, I had texted my friend Susie, my other partner in crime who uh, went to North Korea with me. And, you know, I mean, it was even even uh, Kim Jong Il's death. Remember, it said that he died of exhaustion and hard work. Right. Serving the people. Serving the people. Yeah, Yeah. On, a, on on the people's train, you know, the, uh, it was it's always so much propaganda. It was always, you know, the myth of Kim Jong Il. I mean, he was supposed to have been born under two a double rainbow on top of the highest peak in North Korea. That's that's the myth associated with his birth, and so of course his death was the same way. And they've put in power Kim Jong Un, his one of his sons, who's twenty something who's probably barely educated somewhere in Switzerland. That's, you know, there's not a lot of details about him. We didn't hear anything about him when we were in um, in North Korea. Again, the thing that surprised me about North Korea is the reverence goes not to Kim Jong-il, but to Kim Jong-il's father, Kim Il-sung. He was the one that set up North Korea as the communist state. He is the one that's really revered. We went to see his body, frozen body, lying in state. And it's, you know, we had to march in 
We had to bow to him. You have to show the utmost reverence to this fallen leader. Hmm. And it's and, and, you, it's, and you've seen a lot of these frozen bodies before. I have. I, I have seen that. You, you took there. us. You took us to see Lenin. Frozen uh, Lenin. Yeah. I've seen frozen. You know, uh, Mao Zedong. Uh, yeah. I've seen him. And I've seen um, uh, frozen. Ho Chi Minh, right? Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the quartet, the frozen quartet. <laughs> there are very few people in the world that can say say they've seen all four dead uh, frozen communist guys. And so I assume like the same team of experts that maintain these bodies of these frozen communists are moving into Pyongyang right now and working on Kim Jong-il's body uh, to do that. And as you saw in the newscast, they, you know, the news press, they had very elaborate uh, funeral services and every photograph you saw people sobbing, just, you know, uh, you know, falling over with grief. Again, I, I mean, I think I'm sure they brought in. I'm very cynical about this because my sense of being in North Korea was that I was dropped into the middle of a very sinister play. I felt like everything I saw, everything we experienced was staged. So I, I you know, I feel that about his about his funeral when you saw all those people doubled over in grief, I'm sure they brought in professional criers for this big event, you know, because you have to remember that this is still a country where the human rights violations, I mean, this is as serious as anywhere else in the world. People are starving to death. They're, they are, you know, they don't have freedoms. They don't have freedom of movement, of education. They live under constant terror. So, you know, I, I you know, I, it is, it is a country that you can be extremely critical of. I don't think that, you know, that you should have any other opinion of the place other than that. Um, but yes, so they had a very elaborate funeral. They, you know, they, that's, you know, these people are unemployed. So they, you know, they have thousands of them. They lined them up. You know, the squares were filled with mourners for the big occasion. But I think there's real worry. I mean, for me, there is anyway, because it seems like the only way that this young Kim Jong-un is going to be able to legitimize his control over the country is to keep up the military rhetoric that we heard when we were there. You know, very. Right, you said you were really, really surprised at the level of that. That you were prepared for a lot of the negative things that go on in North Korea, but the super bellicose language about the United States took even you by surprise. It did, Liz. And the other thing is that just this sense of military preparation that the whole country is ready. You know, practices marching around is it takes up was ready to take up arms, is ready to flood into South Korea at a moment's notice to, you know, to, you know, defend the, you know, the pure country of North Korea. So I, it is a very highly militarized um, country. And I just feel like th that's his only option because he's so young. What is he what is he going to do? You know, set up a democracy? You know, is he going to persuade his country, be, you know, due to his statesmanship? He has none of that. The only card this guy has is, milit is, the, is the military weapons and, you know, unfortunately, nuclear weapons. So that, that's why I think it's so serious. Uh, just One of the things that's really interesting to me, when you t I think it's hard to understand what it's like to be a North Korean and grow up in that kind of environment where everything is fake and everything is staged and uh, obviously you're starving and you're unemployed and all of those awful things. So here's your, the, the great leader right the guy that you've been told 
is, you know, the only one that you need to think about or care about in the world. So not only does he die, but then the new guy is his son, who you've probably never heard of, right? And I just can't help but wonder, like, just as a normal human being, even if you had been fed a lifetime of propaganda, wouldn't there be some reaction in you that says, who? What? What? He had a son? We didn't know he had a son. You know, there just has right. to be some kind of... I, I know it's hard for me to put myself in the minds of the people that have been raised that way. And especially when you see the sobbing and the throwing on the ground and the beating of the breasts and, you know, like such a great loss. That, that this kid comes in who most of the people in the country didn't even know existed until a couple of years ago. It, it must that it must be really hard to wrap your mind around that. If you well, are see, Liz, so- I, again, because you are like so media savvy, it's not a good country for you. Because first of all, <laughs> there's no media, there's no information. You know, so it was it would be a really hard place. I mean, I think you'd miss the food, Liz, but I think more and more you'd miss the news. There's no news there, Liz. They have. They have big speakers outside on the streets playing, um, you know, propaganda music and propaganda speeches all day. That's all you get. Right. So that's that's what you go with. And if they've got a new song on the speaker, I guess that's what you go with because you are afraid. I mean, this is what, you know, this is what tyranny does. You are afraid to look up and ask a question, to ask the question who, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's. That's the thing. So, uh, you know, I have to say it is very interesting when I put the blog post up and we use the same method, you know, every time for blog posts. And there, I got a picture of Kim, um, Kim Il-sun uh, that, uh, that was from the Google photo, you know, uh, open, mm-hmm. open source. You know, I, I wasn't taking a proprietary picture. And I started to write the blog post and Coming up on the screen in red letters was this message that says, you do not have permission to do that. Really? And I oh, thought, well, wow. geez, this is, this is really strange. And I thought it was related to the photograph. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I've taken some photograph that I'm not supposed to take that you have to pay for. But I thought the syntax of the sentence was so strange. You do not have permission to do that. And so I picked another photograph and I posted that on the blog and I started to write the blog. And again, I got this message in red letters. You do not have permission to do that. Now, I assume it's not you, Liz, or (laughs) Sheila, or Leanne, or even Sarah, Sarah. Sarah, Sarah Sweeney, we don't we don't really listeners won't be surprised to hear that we don't really have anyone playing any kind of a supervisory role at Satellite Sisters. No, definitely not. <laughs> not on the blog and not on the podcast. So you're right, Julie. None of us would have sent you a message saying you do not have the right to do that. While I was typing, while I was, it wasn't. I hadn't even posted the message yet. Really, That's- I was in. I was in the I was in on the screen where you're writing the you're writing your blog post and twice I got the message you do not have permission to do that. Wow, Kim Jong Il from the grave. <laughs> Don't that, you think? Yes, that I is I mean, creepy. I assume that's I mean, I assume it's some somebody monitoring our blog because of what what we've said about North Korea. That's all I can think of. I can't come to any other conclusion. Wow. Okay, I'm impressed now. With, I mean, with us, with 
<laughs> with our reach. With our reach, exactly, Sheila. If we have the North Korean secret police reading the Satellite Sisters blog, well, there are obviously millions of secret police if they have the time for that. It's like back in the back in the back in the day At least when somebody's reading well, it, Liz. Yes. Well, all right. Now, again, but consider that not that many Americans have gone to North Korea. That's right. Okay, You're on not, the list, Julie, for sure. Not not that many Americans in recent years have gone. Not that many Americans have come back, have, you know, have, have talked about it, have written about it. And so perhaps that's the only I don't know who else is writing a message. You do not have permission to do that. Which is not even good. That's not yeah. good English, is it? Huh? Right. right. No, it's not. You're right. It's clearly from outside the United States. That syntax. Yes. yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. So, well, we're so going to have to stay on this story. I feel like emboldened now that you're just, this is it. That you found your story, Julie. This is the future. Uh, well, who, uh, or something or the end, <laughs> one way or the other. But in either case, it is. I think it's a situation you know, there's so many people we've joked at Satellite Sisters so much about Kim Jong-il. We've all had a lot of fun with him. That's you know, the media in the U.S. has had a lot of fun with him. But really, there's not not there's not one thing funny about the situation. It, you know, it's very, very serious for the people of North Korea, South Korea and, and for the United States, because this guy, you know, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't have many cards to play. So yeah. that's that's unfortunately what I think. So, okay. Well, moving on to the one other serious news story we were going to address today, which would be the um, uh, the Republican primaries going on right now. I think they're happening two or three times a day. And as we're, no, it's the it's the debates that really seem to have spun wildly out of control. If you're just and I love a debate. I love election coverage. Believe me, I settled in to watch the returns from Iowa and I will be watching the returns from New Hampshire. But even I reached my limit in the last 24 hours when there was a debate on Saturday night. And then less than 12 hours later, there was a debate on Sunday morning. I just... I can't imagine who's watching or that anyone cares this much, but I don't know. I, Julie, did you watch any, any no, of them? No, I, I really, and you know, I feel a little guilty because you feel like it's your civic duty to really know, you know, to get involved with the political process, to understand who are the candidates. But I can't watch, I watched a couple of debates, but it's the same people. They're saying the same thing. I just can't watch it again. I mean, and the, the fact that they were going to have two more debates in New Hampshire when like less than, you know, like four days ago in Iowa, the same group of people, like sometimes they shuffle the candidates as to who gets to stand next mm-hmm. to Romney, you know, or whatever. But I mean, it re- I, I just don't know that there are any more questions that we can ask these candidates that we haven't heard the answers to. Well, now it just seems to be what new stuff they have dug up on each other, right? That's the difference of the last two days. So, And I would say, I mean, this is not a political thing for many of us. It's not that it's Republicans, not Democrats or whatever. It's just like, come on already. I'm I'm all for the voting. I'm all for the going out and talking to the people and answering the people's questions. But this is just the same bunch of people standing on the stage picking on each other within 12 hours of each other. So I think it's just time to take the vote in New Hampshire and then 
then we all move on to South Carolina. Wouldn't you say, Sheila, are you ready for New well, Hampshire? To I mean, I was, I was going to say for someone like me, I usually use the excuse, oh, I missed the debate because there's only one debate. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. But you now really, I, I don't it, have that excuse, Liz. Yeah. There's like a 24-7 debate channel you can watch now, <laughs> Sheila. There's live debates going on at all times. <laughs> oh, anyway. I mean, okay. other than providing new material for Saturday Night Saturday Night Live, I'm not really sure what the purpose of having so many debates are. You know, I really, I can't, I mean, other than I guess it fills airtime, people are in, you know. Somebody must be watching. I don't know, Liz. You're in the TV business. Or is anybody watching these debates? Or I, I do not know who was watching this morning. I would think Sunday morning is a tough time slot, <laughs> having nothing to do with me being in the TV business. I like. I, I just think a lot of people do other things on Sunday morning, especially if they've had the opportunity to see the exact same cast on Saturday night. You know, right. they were all there last night. Uh, anyway, so uh, all right, Liz, moving, I have a question on. for you. There yes. was one other uh, major business story this week. Uh, it was headlines in the Wall Street Journal. Um, it was about the impending bankruptcy proceedings for Kodak. Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred and thirty-one year old com- company, Kodak. Who doesn't who doesn't remember or know about Kodak? Kodak they, moments. We've all had a few. Kodak moments, Kodak, you know, Kodak spots, Kodak pavilions, the Kodak theater, you know, I mean, and and the 131-year-old company, they are about to declare bankruptcy because they just, they, you know, I had poor management, but it's the end of a brand. I mean, and I just wanted to know your sense of, you know, when a brand dies, what is that it just happens it's it's sad isn't it because well you just mentioned the kodak pavilion i hadn't thought of those two words together that was at the new york world's fair in 1964 is that what yes yes. (laughs) that is going way back julie remembering the kodak pavilion yeah well i i was reading something not too long ago where they quoted Henry, and, you know, it's all about how you define what business you're in, right? And obviously the Kodak people define themselves as being in the film business instead of in the picture business. And those are fundamentally different things because they kind of stayed in the film business while film circled the drain. And meanwhile, we're all taking more pictures than ever, right? We're just like, have you ever taken more pictures in your life than you've taken the last year? No, because everyone, I take several pictures every day now because I have it on my phone. So if they had understood early enough that they were in the picture business, not the film business, their business would probably be better than ever. But anyway, I recently read this quote from Henry Ford about the invention of the automobile Mm -hmm. and, you know, what a transformative moment that was. And he was saying that if you had asked people what they wanted, if you just like went out on the street and said to people, okay, you know, what do you really need? People would have told you they need a faster horse. And That, and that's sort of the classic business case, right, Julie? You went to business school. Yes, it's, I did, Liz. It's, yes. it's the classic, if you define your, if you think like the horse is the standard, that you just want a faster horse. If you think film is the standard, you want better, faster film, you want it to be more beautiful. Yeah, Kodachrome. I mean, there are Paul Simon's songs about it. <laughs> in, the, in the meantime, we've all moved on, but we still have more pictures than ever. It really is kind of sad. It More than kind of sad. It's very sad. But it's... I think it's not 
it's not stupidity. It's just you're in a business and it's so defined around film and, you know, the little canisters and the developing and all your money those, is coming. Or those little orange Insta cameras. Those were great. Right. And, you know, Sheila, uh, Kodak actually developed, invented the first digital camera. So they, you know, I mean, they. Wow, they, so they could have done it. They could, they have, could have done it, yeah. but they didn't. But so. they didn't. Okay. Well, well. I mean, so that was sad. But I was thinking about Kodak all this week when I had I had what I have to call my Kindle moment. Now oh. I don't own a Kindle. Um, Sheila, do you have a Kindle? No, no. I do not. No, no. Liz, you, you have a Kindle. Right? I, I have an iPad. All right, so, so it does all the but same I, thing. But I don't own one. But uh, I was way behind on reading the book for my book club. Okay, uh, I'm having a book club meeting coming up. And I hadn't even bought the book. And I don't own a Kindle, but we have a Kindle in my house because I gave one to my international business husband so he could take it on international business trips. He doesn't take it on any international <laughs> So it's like lying around the house, okay? But I was desperate. I was like, I have got to get this book and get this book read. But now that they've closed all the bookstores, I don't have a bookstore that's close to my house anymore. I, there is, there's, no, there's no place close to me within 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes of my house where I can actually buy a book. Didn't have time to go to Amazon. So I, I was desperate. Now, I'm not an early adopter of technology. I'm more like, I, you know, if I'm forced into a corner... That's when I'm going to adopt new technology. Just purely and, to try to spare yourself the embarrassment at your book club. That's this, what it's this about. This is, is, I was forced into a corner. No time to go to the bookstore. Had to get the book. Have a, had access to a Kindle. Have no, no idea how to operate it. Just opened it up. Figured out how to download my book club book. And guess what? Boom. That's it. You know what? I'm never going to a bookstore again. Oh, see? This sad. That's that how businesses is die. That is it. I was like the same week that Kodak is just, you know, went out of business or is going to be declaring bankruptcy, chapter 11. That's, that's the first time I used Kindle and I thought <laughs> I can get my book. You know, that's it. So, I mean, I know, I, I know this is not news to many people because they have Kindles. They haven't been going to bookstores right. for a long time. But I was a little, I'm, I'm farther down the curve. You were it's, just trying to get a faster horse. And then, I, yeah. That's, it's, it's done. I, no more fast <laughs> horses. No, no more horses for you. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So that was my moment. You just backed into a corner. Okay, I'll do it. So that's... Uh, right. And once you discover how great it is, it, it you know, you just don't have to ever worry about having what you need at your fingertips. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm big on uh, not so much on the Kindle or even reading on my iPad. I'm addicted to audiobooks. I just love. Oh, really, Liz? I love them, Sheila. I like even if I can buy the electronic version, um, you know, because I have the Kindle software on my iPad or the iBooks. Often I buy the audiobook instead because, you know, I spend so much time on airplanes. And I have just found that one of the most relaxing things in the world on an airplane is to just put your headphones on. 
put your eye shades on and just sit and listen to a book. Just like have someone tell you a story. It's so much more relaxing than actually having to hold the book. Never wow. mind, never mind carry it in your luggage or, you know, you can have two or three books going at a time and who really wants to travel with two or three books at a time? So uh, so I've been downloading a lot of audiobooks. I, I enjoy that experience a lot. So over Christmas, as you guys know, I drove to Bend, Oregon for the week in between Christmas and New Year's. And it was a last-minute decision to drive because I had a plane ticket, but it turned out the weather was so beautiful. It was so dry and sunny here in the western U.S. I thought the drive would be pretty. It's like a day and a half each way. If I drive, I can take my dog. If I yes. fly, little Ferris has to stay home all by himself. So I, uh, so I drove both ways and I downloaded the audiobook that is Walter Isaacson's biography of Steve Jobs. Oh, Liz. So how is that? I've heard him interviewed on a number of shows. Okay. And sounds- I, I had read, i.e. listened to his, his biography of Einstein which was yes. fascinating. So if, you, if you're interested at all in Einstein, Walter Isaacson did a great job on Einstein too. The, the Steve Jobs book is fascinating, really, really fascinating. Uh, particularly for me, I thought the second half of his life when he went back to Apple and that's when they created the iPod and iTunes and the iPad. And you think you kind of know these stories, especially if you use those products all the time or you read a lot of business press. But no, there's all kinds of fascinating stuff in there about the way his mind worked and what was important to him and the way the company worked. So, but the audiobook, it's a very long bookie book. You know, like if you were carrying it, it's a big, thick book. The audiobook, the I got the unabridged version because I knew I would be driving for 20, 28 hours. Plenty of time. The, the audiobook is 24 hours long. And, oh, my um, God. So I did, but I was driving for 28 hours. So it was just perfect, like up to Oregon and back. I was actually... Just as I was coming through the Sepulveda Pass on my way home last weekend, which comes right into Los Angeles and Santa Monica, where I live, that's when the book ended. It, like, all wrapped up there right in the Sepulveda Pass. But it was I was so fascinated by this book and all of the stories in it that if it had kept going, I could have ended up in Mexico. I could have driven <laughs> right by Los Angeles. Like, as long as somebody was telling me that story, it was really fascinating. But to go back to your earlier thing, Julie, about the death of Kodak. There's just all kinds of lessons in this book about Steve Jobs, about like how to really think about what your product is and who needs it and who uses it. And I know that sounds really nerdy. I mean, I happen to be in that business of thinking about those kinds of things. But I think even if you weren't in that business, because Apple has become so pervasive in our culture and everybody has an iPod or some kind of cell phone or some kind of personal computer... It's just amazing. And he is one heck of an interesting story because he is both like a total genius and a total jerk. And you sometimes you cannot believe how much of a jerk he is. Yeah. Uh, and that is fascinating, too. Anyway, so that was my company drive, <laughs> driving up to Oregon and back. It was really, really a delightful way to spend 24 hours. <laughs> All right. So you're, I would recommend it. And if you feel like carrying, if the big book is too intimidating, 
for you to look at should, in the event that you should ever go to a bookstore again. That's the way I like the audiobook. It's just not intimidating. It's it's there on your iPhone. You're just listening to it. It's just easy. But see, you're not buying those audiobooks at a bookstore. You're right. No, no, so, no. I know. Uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, know. sorry about I, that. It's it's a pity about that. Well, uh, you know, related to audio, I, I the uh, other big story I've been watching, well, it's not really a big story, but, uh, <laughs> but it came out this week. If it's big to you, Julie, that's good enough. It, no, it's it's big to Sheila. It made me immediately oh. think of Sheila is the news that official officially this week, the NFL announced that Madonna is going to be performing at the halftime show at the Super Bowl. All right. And, well, That's- all right. I mean, I just, I kind of laughed, Sheila, when I heard that because I, I was just thinking, uh, you know, I know you, you know, you're much closer to Madonna than I am <laughs> uh, in so many ways. Yes, but I, am. I, I just don't feel like Madonna probably has ever ever seen a whole football game in her whole life do no, you think never and that's yeah. okay that's all right i mean she's madonna i know and she's what madonna they, what are they giving her a hard time for well sheila they they were giving her a hard time some people are saying that it's that the choice of madonna is too safe that it, she's not really relevant she's too old how about that, Sheila? Oh, that's She's be re- performing with Cirque du Soleil. That's I, I don't really know what, what's going on, or that she hasn't made an album in a while. But in fact, she has an album that's coming out and also a movie. So uh, I guess that's probably why Madonna wanted to find out a little bit more about football and oh. the fact. Well, first about- of all, we, we are the same age. That's why we're so close. <laughs> and fifty-three is not old. I mean, come on. How old are the Rolling Stones? They played the halftime a few years ago. Yes, they did. And and the Who played a few years ago. I mean, these people, the Rolling Stones probably have a combined age of, you know, 687, <laughs> you know, when you line them all up. I, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. She's a world-class entertainer, performer. I mean, yeah, no, she doesn't know football, but that's okay. I mean, you or, know. or as she would probably call it, American football. Because, oh, yes, because, you know, she's, she's so lived in London all these years now. She's, so they call it American football. Yeah, she's totally but right. I think she's over that English stage in her life because she divorced uh, uh, Richie, right? So so now she's now maybe she's back to being more American. So maybe she just would call it football, Liz. Uh, yeah. We don't know. That's I mean, that's the I thing. mean, she was born and raised in Detroit, right? So she might, maybe in her youth, there were moments where she was exposed to, uh, to uh, football. Well, okay, here, well, we'll just, here's a little quiz. Sheila, when was the last time you saw a, a football, NFL game? <laughs> Never. <laughs> okay, okay. I rest my case, Liz, okay? Well, yeah, and your case is built entirely on the assumption that Sheila and Madonna are the same person? Yes. I know. I know Sheila believes that. I'm... No, we've always known that, right, Julie? We have. I, I, I just knew that you would understand uh, that if, you know, you're not going to watch football, Madonna isn't going to watch football, but a lot of people will be watching that halftime show. Uh, uh, isn't it about it is. an good, audience good of several yeah. billion people watch it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think I think she'll do a good job. I, I mean, I don't I don't understand what the criticism is about. You know, I mean, other than, I mean, well, who who do you want to perform? I mean, right, that's exactly. uh, I, that's uh, you know, some people said oh they want a younger group, someone more relevant, but you know, then then you get some flash in the pan group. I, I, no, I she's think perfect. She's perfect for the times. <laughs> 
She's perfect because there's so many people watching the Super Bowl who, like Sheila, have never watched another football game. <laughs> so the question is, Sheila, will you be watching the Super Bowl? Definitely, this- Julie. Who's in it? Who's playing? Do they don't. Know? They don't know yet, Sheila. They don't know okay. yet, Sheila. Okay. Right. Okay. But, sounds- but maybe Julie's New Orleans Saints will be in. So we're we hoping. Could, we we're could hoping. all get excited about that. We're, we're hoping it will be the Saints, Sheila. So. Uh, well, in, yes. in, in yeah, in other celebrity news, Julie, did you hear the baby news that Jay Z and Beyonce had a baby girl? <gasps> Sheila, no, I didn't. That's, that's yes. I was watching NFL football this weekend, <laughs> so I really haven't haven't caught up on that news. Oh, well, okay, that's very well, nice. And she, they named her Blue Ivy. Blue Ivy. And, um, but you know, I've been, I've been following this story closely because of, yeah, Yeah, no, that was, that was a big story, but you know, I've done my research. I was, uh, perusing people. People had a whole gallery. Your research. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Continue. Uh, No, I, I saw the gallery of Beyonce shots. I mean, she did have the fullness in her face, of course. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, I mean, you again. I could get fullness in my face at any time. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to believe that she really had the baby, and that she just, you know, wasn't. I mean, the report said that she was too concerned about her fi- losing her figure, so they had a surrogate. But I mean, they did have a private wing at Lenox Hill Hospital, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, again, if they're ba- <laughs> Jay Z and Beyonce. They could book a private ring at Lennon yes. <laughs> for anything, right? Well, yeah. Right. So, the, the, so you're that saying that that supports the conspiracy theory or that proves that they had a real baby? I'm, I'm, go- I'm just going to believe they had a real baby. I, I, want, I want to believe they had a real baby. And, 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 and even if they had a surrogate, I'm glad the baby is there and everybody's fine, you know? <laughs> um, okay. You spent a lot of time on this. I, I have because thank you, you for your research. Sheila. If you saw these tapes, it's like the Magruder tapes. You can't stop watching them. <laughs> the <laughs> the Zapruder tapes. Zapruder, right? Magruder, Magruder. Those are like the MacGyver tapes. Um, okay. Anyway. I now I'm going to check them out. Okay, you got to check them out. Um, in, in other baby news, I won't go into this. This is even more confusing than the thing I just said. Now, well, apparently, yes, she has no children. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the, the juicy parts of the story come when I dug a little deeper, Julie, into the uh, stories. You actually read some of the words, just didn't look at the pictures and stuff. <laughs> And um, did, you, did you take it actually off the rack and hold it in your hands? I, I did, Liz. Uh-huh. And, okay. and I folded the cover back. So, you know, I was digging in. I wasn't just flipping. Uh-huh. Um, and, and these are quotes from a nosy neighbor, apparently, of Jennifer Aniston's. So she believed that J- Jen is, in fact, pregnant. Could be with twins. Could be with Brad. Who knows? But there are reports now flying around Hollywood that Jen... Aniston is pregnant with twins, either with her new man, Justin Thoreau, or um, <laughs> no it relation. Seems like she has a lot of options there, yes. Okay, so the nosy neighbor said she, they, she definitely is pregnant because she's seen her quote, she's seen her friends visiting her and bringing her things, <laughs> and she doesn't lift a finger. <laughs> 
Oh, well, so that-, that means you're pregnant if you don't lift a finger. I mean, that's friends. that's pretty much what I do all day. It's like <laughs> if friends come over, I don't lift a finger anyway. And the other uh, reason they, the nosy neighbor thought she was pregnant is because she's seen her quote hanging out on the couch eating Hagen Dog. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a telltale sign. Yeah, you don't. You really don't need to do one of those tests. Like if you're on the couch with Hagen Dogs, <laughs> right? Oh, you're pregnant. You're pregnant. Yes. Um, oh, that's well, hilarious. Yeah, that's hilarious. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, I want. This is a late Thanksgiving Day entry, but um, I saw a recipe on the, in the New York Times for something that I think the Dolans could really really support and this brings together two our love of two two food groups mm-hmm. root root vegetables and cheese <laughs> okay Yum. Tell, tell me more it's a, called a turnip gratin how uh. good does that sound <laughs> well actually i don't know what is it go did well, you make this did you make this sheila or did of you course just not of course not <laughs> did, no, you, did someone bring it to you <laughs> and i didn't lift a finger it, it has turnips it has milk you know but salt and pepper onions <laughs> sounds tasty so so that's what you're gonna you make know, next year for I, thanksgiving i love your descriptions of, of of recipes because it's quite obvious like you have no idea how to cook you know <laughs> and gruyere cheese oh that's the best okay. part okay, okay. <laughs> and you bake it and it's golden and it's bubbly I think it sounds scrumptious. It sounds good. Okay. Okay. Hey, Sheila, can I just say, speaking of fullness of face, um, Julie just sent out pictures to all of the family of the entire family gathered in one shot, both sides of the family, at Julia, your son Will's wedding in New Orleans in October. And uh, Sheila, it is quite a beautiful picture of you. I mean, everyone looks good. But, you know, I just wanted to get your point of view on standing right next to your stunning daughter-in-law, Lauren. Right, right. And I am just, I mean, it is so good. I want to send it somewhere. Where can I send it? (laughs) This should have been my Match.com photo. I mean, well, maybe you can figure out how to, like, cut out the other 43 people out of the picture. Because I think. I think the total count was like 44 uh, in the picture of our family on both sides. It's the best picture that was ever taken of me and 43 other people in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't even believe how good I look. You do look fantastic. Also, your daughter looks fantastic. Ruthie looks great. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Yes. you two were up front and and, and right up front next to the bride and groom, and you both look beautiful. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I'm glad you enjoyed Um, So in other news, I just wanted to um, let you guys know that I experienced a new pastime today. <laughs> and I, I know you're going uh, to... Other than sitting on the couch eating agen <laughs> <laughs> And perusing magazines. No, I actually got off the couch and I did something very unusual for me. I went uh, bird watching. Really? Okay. okay, what's up with that? <laughs> well, why, I, why would you do that? Why would you do that, Sheila? A friend invited me to go oh. and I've never been bird watching and I thought it's a beautiful day. And so the plan was to go to Malibu bird watching. I mean, I usually go to Malibu 
to stalk celebrities. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, not the uh, red-breasted merganser. You know what I mean? Or the snowy okay. egret, which okay. I saw. I okay, saw well, I have, to, I have to ask the first question. What did you wear, Sheila? What did you okay. wear bird watching? I, well, that's good. That's a good question, Julie. I wasn't really prepared for bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> because I had all black on, and it was hot out. It was sunny. It was not... I mean, I had black leggings and my black Nike... Uh, top, which covers covers all sins, as they say, and lots of sunscreen, my sunglasses, um, and I just wore flats. I didn't really up, and you look at birds, and you get them into focus, and you just you just look at them. Huh. Um, huh. And, and where where were you walking around doing this? Was this like on Pacific Coast Highway in Malibu, or no, you're off in some swampy kind of area where that's protected? No, we were in a beautiful, uh, like lagoon area down by Ma- in Malibu, Liz, in a in a nice. little a little park that you drive up, and there are there there are a lot of people who watch birds. Did you know that? <laughs> it's it's a it's a popular pastime. I understand. Have you ever done it, Julie? No, I have not done that, Sheila. No, no. Not not deliberately. I, I you know I've been outside. <laughs> you've lo- you've looked at birds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's the difference. There's looking at birds, which is not really deliberate. And then there's bird watching, <laughs> bird which watching. I'm sure is interesting. It's like, so the bird watchers, the whole point is to see a lot of different kinds of birds, right, Sheila? So is yeah. there keeping track going on during a bird watching expedition? Well, yes. What you do is there are all these categories and all these names. And, you know, you, you see a bird and you go, oh, that's the, you know, the the cackling goose or the, you know, the... The blue wing teal and, you know, they're rare or they're, you know, whatever. But you have to catch them quickly. So I was doing something that was basically so wrong for a, for a bird watcher, which was I was looking surprising. down. That's so surprising, Sheila. Okay. I was looking down at my feet. <laughs> Why? Because you were worried about your shoes? Yes, I was worried shoe about choice. my shoes. See, if you regret your shoe choice, you're really in trouble. I I mean, I had to take the shoes off at some point because you were getting so scuffed up. (laughs) Were you moving around? Well, the thing about bird watching, do you stay in one spot and let the birds come to you? Or are you moving around to the birds? You're observing. You're walking. You're trying not to disturb them. And then you stop and you watch. And then you have to adjust your binoculars to um, to see them, um, but yeah. it, it was it was a classic case of my friend saying, "Oh, there's the you know uh, the you know the northern shoveler or whatever," and <laughs> and he's like looking somewhere, <laughs> and and I I put my binoculars up and I'm like, "Oh yeah," and he's like, "You're not even in facing the right direction." <laughs> yeah. So bird watching is kind of hard to fake, huh? Is no, that... you can't fake it. You have to focus in. Uh-huh. But I did. I did enjoy it. I mean, it was another way of enjoying uh, the beautiful Southern California um, wildlife. Okay. And Sheila, but you were enjoying your friend's company. So, are, are, is are you allowed to talk when you're bird watching? Um, no. You're, well, no, you're not. You're not allowed to talk. Mm-hmm. So th- that's it's a not. It's sort of a non-talking activity. So it's kind of not your strong t- suit, not talking, looking <laughs> not through talking binoculars. Yeah. It's yeah. Very hard. And I had to adjust the binoculars with my glasses on. 
Mm. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this so, is going to take some practice, but I think you, I think you're up for it, Sheila. I just need some good shoes, <laughs> um, some lighter clothes, lighter layers. Yeah. And maybe some water. I mean, you're out there for a while. <laughs> and, so, and some slower birds. <laughs> some birds that are sitting on the ground. YouTube. Just go on YouTube. You know, they have all kinds of how-to videos. Perhaps okay. you can, like, pick up some tips on, like, how to bird watch. I, I'll do it, Julie. Um, so that's all. Just a little, a little something different uh, nice. for, for the new year. That's quite new for 2012. Bird watching for Sheila. Wow. I, Sheila, not... I applaud that. I mean, it's a good thing to try new activities. There's, that's, that's very good. Yes. You never know. Um, you know, uh, fishing might be next for me. You never know. <laughs> Fly fishing, anyone? <laughs> okay. You need, I'm just telling you, I'm giving you a heads up on the shoes. You need waders. <laughs> the flats are not going to work for fly fishing. <laughs> Oh, wow. I think that's very exciting. You're right, Julie. It's it's all about trying something new. You know what? It's just, what it's harm like can Madonna. it do? Madonna doesn't know anything about football, but she's going to be out there, halftime, Super Bowl, just giving it her all. So I mean, you- I can reinvent myself as a naturalist in 2012. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like Madonna. I can do anything I want. <laughs> okay, Sheila. I Okay, we'll just leave it there, as they say on the news. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it there. Sheila we, is going to I think we might have to wrap up because I believe there's another Republican debate on right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we are wrapping up. This has been a fun first show of the new year. Uh, we are going to uh, continue doing shows. And most weekends you'll hear us here. We'll get it posted. We're, we're trying a couple of new uh, technological solutions to that process. And as you know, in the past when we've done that, there have been some uh, successful experiments and some less than successful experiments. So just hang in there. Remember, uh, if you're... Getting the show from iTunes, uh, then that all stays the same. But we now have a Satellite Sisters app for your iPhone, which you can get at SatelliteSisters.com. And we have an app for Android that you can get in the Android App Store or in the Amazon App Store for Android. So if you get those and you have them on your cell phone, it's like what I was saying earlier about the audiobook. Then it's just always there. You can listen to it whenever you want. Oh, you know, Sheila, we did get an email the other day from a longtime Satellite Sister who said that three times this week she listened to the Officer Rubbish episode of Satellite oh, three Sisters. Three times in one week? Three times in one week. I guess because it had been more than two weeks since we posted a new show. Oh, so she just so- went back into her personal archive and went back to Officer Rubbish and just wanted to let us know that that material really holds up, even three times in one week. All right, Liz. That's great. That's great. <laughs> All right. So we are the Satellite Sisters. It's been great to be with you this first Sunday in 2012. Stay tuned here. And uh, sisters, have a good week. Anybody have anything big going on this week? Same old thing, Liz. Just trying to get back into it. I'm trying to get my Christmas cards out this week. So oh. look for those in the mail, okay? Look for those in 2012, okay? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.